memory. We all have one, although how well my particular one works is up for debate. But did you realize there was such a thing as institutional memory? There is, and we'll talk about it with Karen Ablashi. This is Inside at Biologics. So, Karen, if you would, please tell everybody about yourself. Sure, James. So, my name's Karen Ablashi. I am a technical writer consultant with Biologics Consulting. I've been with Biologics for 17 years, over 17 years. I'm a technical writer. My focus is CMC. I don't focus on other areas, so I don't want to talk about those because I don't know anything about them. Prior to that, I was with a small company, so I've seen some of the challenges of working in a very small company, doing product development, and knowing about getting everything documented. And before that, I was with what is now by Reliance, and I was with them for almost 11 years, so I've seen sort of a bigger company that already had systems in place, so I really do understand some of the challenges for smaller companies and also bigger companies. And then I've also seen this with our clients. We would interact with clients that are from pre-IND all the way to doing their BLAs and even after doing post-licensure submissions. So I've seen companies, worked with companies, worked in and with companies at all stages of pharmaceutical product development. And anybody that needs to get more information about me is free to go to our website and check me out on Biologics Consulting's webpage. So, Karen, what is institutional memory? Well, James, if you do an internet search, which you can always trust everything on the internet, but if you do an internet search, you'll see that the definition is the stored knowledge within an organization. So this is basically applicable to pretty much any organization. It could be, you know, your company, it could be, you know, your church, it could be pretty much any organization, or maybe even some people would consider their families to be an organization where you have institutional memory. It's stored knowledge of what's happened in the past, how you've done things, why you've done things. Maybe, you know, especially at holiday time, you have a lot of different family traditions. Why have you done those? So it's that kind of thing. But we're going to talk about it, obviously, not as it applies to your family or anything. We're going to talk about how applies to pharmaceutical development, development of drugs and biologicals. All right. So you say how it applies to what we do. Why is institutional memory important in what we do? Well, I would say a, a lot of it's because, well, we have to, you know, what we do, we have to provide the FDA with a lot of data if you want to get your product approved, right? That's right. just that's just how it goes. The FDA or any other regulatory body, we need a lot of data. When you got a lot of data and a lot of if you're doing product development, any kind of product development I imagine, but I I only know about this. You need to know what you did and why, what worked, what didn't work. When it did work, what were you using that made it work? So all this stuff has to be written down, and so (laughs) that is one challenge, which is getting people to write things down, which I worked with when I was back in my small company. That's a topic for another day, is just getting people to write it down. So we need to know why things were done, how things were done. So what we've been seeing, James, especially since COVID, is there's been a lot of people changing jobs and moving from here to there, and a lot of people transitioning out. When you're 
at a company, you know, there's always that one person or two people or if it's a big company more than that, who know everything and how everything's been done. But if those people leave and they go somewhere else or something happens to them, those people leave, you don't know why did you use this formulation? Why did you do it this way? Why, you know, why did you pick this particular way of doing things? What was the starting material you used? You don't know any of that. You're a new person. You come in and you have no idea what you've got. Some people have stuff stored in lab notebooks. Other people have it stored on a database over here. People don't know what they have. And what we're seeing is because of this high turnover, and and I have talked to colleagues that some other clients are actually having this issues because of the high turnover, we are seeing submissions are becoming maybe stalled. So what, what I'm saying is basically... So what we're seeing is that because of the high turnover, people don't know what data they have, and that's actually hindering getting regulatory submissions put together. And in some cases, this is actually delaying the regulatory submissions. And as we all know, and as my boss loves to say, time is money. So if you are delaying your regulatory submission, that's actually can have a lot of negative impacts on your company. It reminds me of a story that I heard circling back just a little bit to family that you said we weren't going to talk about, about how everybody in a particular family would cut off one end of the ham before putting it into the roaster for Christmas dinner. And at one point, the young children didn't know why, so they asked the older people who didn't know why, so they asked the older people, and they eventually got back to great-grandma who said, oh, I just used to cut off the end because my roasting pan was small. And you're not going to know what you have or why you do if you don't document what you have and why you do it. And that's exactly true. But even just documenting isn't the whole thing. So we had a client way back who, it was a big company that bought a legacy product. So they bought this company and clearly whoever had worked on this had documented a lot. Because they had hundreds and hundreds of boxes of paperwork on this product. And the company that bought it had to store this at Iron Mountain because there was so much data. And then they ended up having to hire an intern to go through the boxes and figure out what they had and what they didn't. Because, yeah, people had done a great job documenting, but nobody knew what they had because they didn't have – a central warehouse for that information. So they didn't know what they had and where it was. So they might have had everything they needed, but they they couldn't even show it because it was sitting in boxes. So it's more than just writing it down. It's, exactly. It's making sure that the institution, beyond any of the individuals, comprehend what it is that they have. Comprehend it. Yes, and and in comprehending, know where it is, know what it is. So another company that we work with is a you know big company, and they've got facilities all across in different places around the world, and each place has its own database. Or even within that, some of the product areas have, or functional groups, have their own databases. So you've got a formulations department that's done beautiful, lovely work. But the product development people don't know what they've done. 
done because nobody can see what anybody else has done. So this is where it's institutional memory. What's been done? What's the big, you know, what do we have? What knowledge do we have? And trying to understand that. And, you know, so, and then when you go with small companies, I mean, the company where I used to work, people would just jot things down in their lab notebooks. That's great, but you've got a whole bunch of lab notebooks and nobody knows what's in it. Right. So unless there's a central warehouse somehow for this information, you don't really know what you have. All right. So how do you make a good institutional memory structure in your company? How do, how do you have it so that you just don't have a bunch of random lab books, as you said? So... There's a variety of ways and, you know, in an ideal world, you'd have your company buy-in and from the beginning, you'd get a knowledge management, there's knowledge management software out there that you can get and you'd have people who have the whole, their job is to, you know, when somebody does the report and they've beautifully documented everything they've done, the report goes to somebody who will then go through and parse out the information they need to keep. They, and then they catalog the report in the correct places and everything. And these people would have time to do this and they'd have management buy-in and then you'd have all the functional groups happy to participate in this institutional memory activity or storage activity, right? Right. But we don't live in a perfect world. Nobody, you know, <gasps> everybody, everybody's already ahead of you. You're already there. You're already like, oh, great. Now I've got all these boxes of data and what do I do with them? So I've got my hundreds of boxes. What do I do with them? So that company hired an intern because their SMEs were too busy. And by the way, SMEs cost a lot of money. So they hired an intern. So that's one way you can do it is to get somebody to physically sort through the information. And, you know, this is a painful way to do it. And it's, it doesn't get done really fast, but it is one way to do it. But you start by making a database. You put everything into a database. You put everything in a place where people can find it. But first, you have to realize you have the problem. So that's where biologics can come in and help out. You're going to do your submission. We can come in and help you with a gap analysis and we can kind of see what you have. And then we can help you figure out all those reports that you've got that are sitting around. What do you need? We do have people like me who work at a little bit lower rate than our SMEs. It is extremely expensive and it will save you money to have the intern come in and do all that instead of having your SMEs do it or having a highly paid senior consultant come in and sort through your boxes. That that would be a poor use of money. So biologics can come in before you get started on your submission. We can look at all your documents that you, not all your documents, but we can look at what you have for your submission. We can kind of help you see what you've got, where things are, and we can help you I mean, we could even have people come in before we do send people to facilities that can help you set things up before you even get going. But most people are not in that place. Most people are, well, we've got all this information and now we've got to kind of wrangle it and get it together. So we can help you and all your, you know, work with the different groups to put the information together in one central place. We can help you prepare a central database of a sort you know, listings that will help you to figure out what you do have and help you identify where you're missing information. 
So we can provide both the ounce of prevention if you're lucky enough to realize you need this in the first place or the pound of cure afterward. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of us end up in the pound of cure because, you know, it's great. But, you know, most companies, when they get started, are so keen to get going that, you know, they don't or and or they don't have the money to get to put this in place. But if you do have it in place and, and, you know, the sooner you start with this, the better, because if you do have it in place, say that you do have turnover, people leave, you get somebody new in, they can look in a central place and they've got this information. Oh, that's what we did. Oh, that's why we came up with that formulation. Oh, because we based it on this. And here's the report that explains what we did, what we tried and what didn't work. And it also helps you when you troubleshoot. You're troubleshooting something. Something went wrong. Oh, okay. We see that when we did this this other time, this one thing caused something else not to work. And it right. really does help with a lot of things down the road. So yeah, the sooner you can implement this, get you know, do it yourself, or call somebody like us. We can to come in and help you. The the better off you can be, and uh, you know, get your submissions in more quickly awesome so now this is great for a small to medium-sized company where the decision maker can go in and start to set things up but what if you're in one of these super ultra ginormous companies like one i was at at one point in my career and you know you're lucky to get them to allow you to change the color of the paper on your desk what can you do for someone in a larger company with institutional memory needs? Well, that's a good question because that goes back into the company buy-in. Because you do have to have some somebody believing that there's got to be some, you know, reason for this memory to be captured in a single place. Frequently, that is because, you know, you need to get the submission done. You're going to do your BLA because now you're talking about a huge Mondo company that needs to do, you know, they want to do their BLA. We can come in and work with you and work with the different groups. We can go in to the different sites if it's needed or, you know, now post-COVID, everything's done virtually. We can do a lot of work with you and, you know, I've worked on BLAs virtually where we were working with different groups who did not know, you know, we were pulling the reports and going through and helping them identify what information they needed. And that was all being pulled together, working with the, you know, it's a bigger company. They did actually have some staff to help uh, house the information and put them more, you know, put things into a more global central place so that people could find it. So we can work with you with the systems you have because we realize that, you know, <clears throat> you're not going to be able to just take everything you have and redo it and start all over. So we kind of have to work with what you have. So we can work with you to work within your systems, but more, we can also help you to talk amongst yourselves because sometimes the groups don't talk and it just sometimes just having a dialogue helps. And, and by having to have these meetings as, you know, having us in there helps to facilitate intercompany discussions, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes, it does. So let me ask you, because this has been fascinating to me, but sometimes people have a little little trouble boiling things down. What would be the too long, didn't listen version of what we just <laughs> talked about? 
Sure. Okay, so the too long didn't listen is you got to know what you have. You have to know what you have, why you did it, you know. So it means it's all got to be written down, but we knew that anyway because we all believe in our GMPs and everything. So we know we got to write it down, but we really need to have a centralized sharing of knowledge be it in a database, be it using knowledge management system, but it needs to be a corporate culture of trying to understand what went before and appreciate it. And, you know, coming back to the family analogy, you know, there's a reason why things were done a certain way. We don't always know what it was. Sometimes it's silly, like cutting off the end of the roast and just because of the pan and now everybody else does it. But sometimes there is a reason, like cutting off the end of the roast because it didn't fit otherwise. You know, there's a reason for it. Knowing what you have is really important and will save you time and money down the road. If the experiments are there and documented and you know about it, you don't have to repeat them. So it's going to save you time, money, headaches, help your submissions get in faster, help your people focus on what's really important to moving your product forward instead of repeating what's already been done. Thank you to Karen Ablashi for joining us. Now, if you'd like more information, you can email Karen or any of us at insight at biologicsconsulting.com. That's insight at biologicsconsulting, all one word, dot com. Also, we'd love it if you'd like, subscribe to, rate, and review our show. The executive producer of Insight at Biologics is Chris Crayhansel. This episode was produced and edited by James C. Taylor. The technical supervisor is Jeff Weiss. The Insight at Biologics theme is by Tom Rory Parsons. I'm James C. Taylor. Thank you for joining us, and please come back for more Insight at Biologics. <laughs>